SEC media days has begun. Has Jimbo Fisher said anything crazy yet? You are Locked On Bama, your daily podcast on the Alabama Crimson Tide. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, everybody, and welcome back into the Locked On Bama. Luke Robinson, that's me, Jimmy Stein, that's him. Thank you for making us your first listen, Jimmy. SEC Media Days is here, which is the unofficial official signal that football is back. The bat signal from the SEC office. And, uh, man, I loved it. I, I, I set an alarm earlier than normal to get up and, and dressed and ready for 7 a.m. I mean, when uh, when the SEC Network coverage kicked off. So I, I watched every minute of it today uh, that I could. And I thoroughly enjoyed it, learned some things. Uh, Jimbo Fisher, Brian Kelly, and Eli Drinkwitz uh, talked to the media today. I thought all three were impressive, of course, as highly paid multimillionaire professional coaches should be. Uh, and interesting that, frankly, Luke, even though it's day one, they start off with LSU and Texas A&M. And let's, th- that'll be two of the biggest games on Alabama's schedule. Uh, we've struggled with A&M two seasons in a row. They beat us their last time. They almost beat us last season, even in Tuscaloosa. Uh, LSU's the defending SEC West champs, and I believe, I'm guessing, this will be one of the most interesting things of the week, Luke. Interesting to see what you think about this. I think the media is going to pick LSU to win the SEC West and not Alabama. So, uh, and good. Good. I, I hope they do. Uh, and But it's just interesting that we kicked off today with what's going to be two of Alabama's major opponents this season. Yeah, first of all, um, I'm driving back from Pittsburgh to Alabama, and it's a long drive, trust me, on this one. Um, but uh, drove through some beautiful country. Uh, that being said, I'm, so I've listened to a lot of Sirius XM, and Sirius XM today had, uh, you know, it was all SEC Media Day stuff. Like every program was something to do with SEC Media Days, right? Um, so I, I was – kind of taken aback at how many people were crapping on Alabama. I mean, Chris Doring actually said Alabama's offensive line is average along with the receiving core. He said both of them are very average. Now, okay, if you're saying average by Alabama standards, I can buy that. I, it, but when you say average, it makes it sound like you're saying average across the board. I bet right. you – I mean, 95% of teams in college football would trade either one of their units for I even, So After he said that, I went to the trouble. After he said that, I, I mean, I was bothered by it. I went to the trouble, put this on the uh, BOL message board. So, like, look, here's 14 SEC teams, and I'm just throwing an, an order against the wall. I'm not saying this is my official picks. But here's, here's roughly how the 14 teams are going to be lined up by the media. Number seven and number eight, which should be average. That's right, right in the middle, right? Seven and eight in the SEC. South Carolina and Kentucky. Does Alabama's wide receiver core and offensive line, it's no better than South Carolina or Kentucky? That's ludicrous. It's, it's ludicrous. Stu- it's not, it's stupid. And it, it's yeah. just, is it, what it is, Jimmy, and again, this is uh, pervasive throughout all media now. P- P- and you and I do this on this show, but that's sort of why we 
have success with this show to a degree. We don't. And, and when I say success, I'm not saying success compared to the SEC network. Um, because we're still on. We still have a show. <laughs> we still have. We, we're a success because we literally are still doing this somehow. We still have a show. That's, but, that's our that's no, where we that's our bar that we have to cross every day. You know what it's like? It's 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 the way that everybody in the media doesn't talk like media people anymore. They talk like they're talking to the average fan. That's good and that's bad because what I noticed from my daughter who's 16 the other day when we were talking, she said literally all the time. And I'm say that literally. Like she would say, Dad, I'm literally starving. And Dad, I'm literally about to fall asleep. Dad, I'm I'm literally about to die of thirst. She robbed low on Parks and Rec. Isn't that what he said? Eventually I was like, Are you familiar with the term literally? And and it's it's one of those things. My my wife is notorious. Now my wife is in PR, has her own PR business, so she this is her. But she's big on, I mean, like she's just everything's bright and and fluffy and everything's awesome. She used the term amazing all the time. She says, that's just amazing. That's amazing. And finally, I, I looked at her and I mean, I guess it was a moment of frustration because it did lead to a fight. But I said, you know, if if everything's amazing, nothing's amazing. You know, by definition, amazing is like very unique. So my, my point is this. He's throwing around the term average. In a way that that my daughter says literally, or my wife says amazing. It, it isn't average. These, these units aren't average. They are average based on, if he would have just said this, you know, prepositional phrase at the end, something like by Alabama standards, they are average by Alabama standards. I think we'd all go, yeah, that's very fair because the offensive line has a lot to prove. We're not even sure if, uh, J.C. Latham's in the right spot. Should Caden Proctor be starting? You know, we got a lot to prove on the offensive line. We're going to talk about an offensive lineman in the second segment. Wide receiver-wise, I didn't see anything special at A-Day by Alabama standards. I saw some good players, and we know Ja'Cory Brooks has – he's caught a touchdown in a a playoff game. He's caught a a game-winner touchdown against Auburn. He caught what probably should have been a game-winner against LSU. Uh, So, I mean, he's had his moments. And we all think Malik Benson's going to be pretty good. But if you want to say, hey, this isn't like Ruggs, Judy, Devontae Smith, Waddle, Jamison Williams, John Mitchie, that's very fair. But again, you just like you said, you put it, you put it on paper the best way I know how. Do you if if Alabama called Kentucky and said, Kentucky or South Carolina, right now, we'll trade you straight up your offensive line for hours. Do you think they'd take that deal? Oh, oh, they would. Oh, they would. And that's why I said using that word, like you said, I think he's using it like like in the examples. I don't think he's being specific, but I'm just saying, Chris, when you say average, there's two ways to take it. It's average per SEC standards or it's average per Alabama standards. And I think that's what he meant. And that's sort of okay because, like you said, Luke, earlier, I agree. I agree. Per Alabama standards or in the Saban era, this offensive line and wide receiver core is pretty average per those standards, but it's so dangerous to go down that slippery slope because when it's average per Alabama standards, that means it's irrelevant to how Alabama stacks up against its opponents in 2023, which is all that should matter. And I know it sounds like I'm sitting here whining about Alabama not being in the playoff a year ago, and that's not the case. I've never whined about it. I've said repeatedly Alabama does not deserve to be in, and I still think Alabama didn't deserve inclusion. 
But what happens when you compare Alabama to previous Alabama teams is you do things like eliminate Alabama from the conversation because they've lost twice. So it's easy to get, they've lost twice. Alabama's down. This is a down Alabama team. They've lost twice. So now you've eliminated from the conversation when in fact they should have been asking, Hey, uh, could TCU beat Tennessee and Knoxville? Could TCU beat LSU and Baton Rouge? Because uh, Alabama would probably be 12-0 and against the teams they played, too. And then we saw what Alabama did to Kansas State, a team that beat TCU once and was up 28-10 to on them in the other game that no one ever wants to talk about. Because and that's my point about comparing Alabama to previous Alabama teams. You end up knocking Alabama out. Well, Alabama's not as good as they were in 2017. They're out. All that should matter is how good is Alabama compared to the rest of the college football field in 2023. And I think that's where Doring sort of opened the door for that again. We need to stop that conversation, compare Alabama to its opponents and the other college football teams in 2023. doesn't matter that they can't beat the 2012 Alabama team. Yeah, because they don't have to play the 2012 team. You know what? It also reminded me of this, and I think the, I was watching The Office the other day, and, and this episode was on where um, Ryan the Temp, who now was working for the Michael Scott Paper Company, was on the phone with somebody, uh, and Pam and Mike were in the office or in their little room like that was the basement, and he was on the phone. He said, yeah, you know – in the city, she'd be a six, but in Scranton, she's a seven. He was talking about Pam, obviously. And and I was like, yeah, see, that's the same thing. Like, you can't just say that um, – you can't just say Pam's – oh, my gosh, my daughter. You can't just say Pam is a seven or Pam is a six. You have to quantify it somehow or qualify okay. it. I should say qualify it somehow. All right. And overall, so sorry. by the way, I don't dislike Chris Doring like some Alabama fans. I know he's been – uh, maybe overly harsh on Alabama at times, but uh, I appreciate his uh, takes. Uh, I think most of his takes are pretty smart. He knows the league pretty well, and he's got a good rapport with Peter Burns. I, I like the show. You know, I do think – I don't think Chris Doring is a huge Alabama guy, and I'm kind of okay with that. He's a Florida guy, and he's very obvious about it, and that's okay. Tikio Spikes is on there. He, w- he was interviewed today. He's very obviously an Auburn guy. I get it. Mark Ingram – Going on Fox broadcast will be a Bama guy. I'm okay with it. Jimmy, we got to take a break. I want to tell everybody now about bird dogs. Look, if you've been listening to this podcast for any amount of time over the last few weeks, you know how much I love me some bird dogs. I'm telling you, they make you look good. They make me look good. That is a big deal. Uh, They have these stretch khaki shorts that are designed to fit slimmer through the thigh and the leg to give you that truly sculpted look. Bird dogs shorts do the exact same thing as Lululemon but they fit way, way better. They are just better overall, and they're less expensive. Bird Dogs fix this the issue that the, the normal khaki stuff has with their restricting cotton. It's all stiff. Uh, by inventing cloud neck fabric that looks just like khaki, but stretches so you get a way slimmer fit without having to sacrifice movement. Bird Dog uses anti-stink sweat wicking fabric that Jimmy loves and needs that keeps you cool and dry, all day long. Go to birddogs.com slash locked on college, birddogs.com slash locked on college. You'll also get a free Yeti style tumbler with your order. That's a free Yeti style tumbler, which we have both received and I still use. I love it. It's awesome. Go to birddogs.com slash locked on college for that free Yeti style tumbler. You won't want to take your bird dogs off. We promise. 
Jimmy on the next few podcasts. Look, it's SEC Media Days galore. We're going to keep doing the countdown stuff too, and there will be some recruiting news. I mean, we got a commitment possibly coming Friday, another one possibly coming Saturday. You got uh, Demarcus Riddick coming up, not too terribly far away. I mean, you got a lot of commitments coming up. We'll be talking about all of them right now, though. I want to talk a little bit about Darian Dalcourt on your countdown. Darian Dalcourt, who has decided to come back for is this his COVID senior year? Yeah, I think he's out of eligibility after this upcoming season. He's one of the few on the team that, that could not return uh, later. So, yeah, he, he is exercising his COVID year by uh, returning. And you obviously do so only upon request. You're not entitled to that under the rules. So uh, you can only come back with, uh, you know, with, with the coaching staff wanting you back. And, and I think that's a real key whenever you're discussing Darian Dalcourt. Uh, Look, the staff likes this guy. Uh, my, my, my colleague at BOL, Travis Ryder, brought up this point that I really like about Darren Dalcourt. Travis was like, you know, not only has Nick Saban himself signed off on Darian Dalcourt being a starter for two years, not even talking about 2023. I'm talking about 2021 and 2022. Nick Saban signed off on it. But not only did Nick Saban sign off on it, so did Doug Marone. And then Doug Marone left. And he's gone, and you bring in Coach Wolford that everybody likes. He's one of the most popular coaches on the staff with the fans. They love Coach Wolford. You know who Coach Wolford picked to be the starting center last year? Darren Dalcourt. So we got Marone signing off. We got Wolford signing off. We got Saban signing off multiple times. We got the staff asking him back. And we've got the guy on the team that's been a staff player of the week more times than J.C. Latham. So – why do the fans, why are they sort of down on this guy? I, I, I think it's an overreaction to a, a handful of negative things and negative plays. And uh, I, I think the staff's thrilled to have him back. I, I think he's likely to be the starter all year at left guard. Uh, he's got nice positional versatility that may help him possibly land in the NFL. I agree he's not a top NFL prospect. I agree he's not a fantastic, great All-American type player. I agree that it's possible that he could get beat out by a Caden Proctor or moving an Elijah Pritchett inside. Uh, T.J. Ferguson also continues to emerge. Those things could happen. But my bet is Darren Dalcourt, if he's healthy, will remain the starter all year at left guard, do a pretty good job. He's a pretty good player. Again, staff player of the week, I believe, four or five times in his career. An SEC player of the week one time in his career as a starting offensive lineman, and this will be his third year selected to be a starter. Uh, again, uh, Darren Dalcourt appreciated more by the football staff at Alabama than, uh, than some of the fans. Oh, your mute button still works in uh, up north. Mute button works in Elizabethtown, Kentucky, just like it works everywhere else. Um, let me ask you this. North to me. I'm sure Kentucky thinks they're in the south, but that sure sounds north to me. Freeze. You there? You're frozen. Elsa, you're frozen. Elsa, what's the other girl on uh, Frozen? She's frozen too. You're frozen. Texting Luke now. I'm back. Are you back? Yeah, yeah. You're only gone 20 seconds. Okay. Well, now you're going again. I'm to edit this because I ain't starting over. Um, no, no. Uh, you're gone 20 so seconds per the clock. All right. I don't know what happened. Anyway, um, I, want, about I did want to ask this. I wanted to ask this about Darian Dalcourt, and you said player of the week four times. 
I wonder on offensive linemen sometimes when they get player of the week, because it's got to be hard to choose an offensive mm-hmm. lineman player of the week, unless it's like Andre Smith-like performance. Um, I wonder if they do that to boost morale for that particular player, more right. so than what the actual performance was. I'm not sure specifically, so I'm not going to warrant that. I will say this, uh, a little inside baseball for the people that like Scoop. Uh, one time, years this was years ago, but it was the Nick Saban staff. I did ask an assistant that's no longer with the team uh, one time when I had the opportunity to ask a couple questions. Uh, I did ask him about the staff player of the week and how seriously as fans we should take that. Uh, I mean, in terms of like uh, – you know, uh, and, and he said that uh, uh, that it's not something that they do uh, uh, easily or quickly or haphazardly, that um, a lot, there's a process, there's a process, and Nick Saban himself is, uh, is involved, uh, but he did not go into detail in terms of, of whether they would use it in that way. But I got the impression, I got the real answer, and my take from his answer is uh, – I, I, my advice to all fans is to take it real seriously when, when they do, that this is not something they do lightly at all. Uh, well, I almost muted myself again, but I was able to save the day. And that'll take us to our next break. Hopefully we can stay connected long enough to have this break. So sorry about the technical issues, but you know what? I'm on the road. Jimmy doesn't know how to do any of this. It was bound to be awful. <laughs> so, all right. We're going to be back in just a minute. And we're back. Jimmy, it's time to talk about a newcomer from Maryland, C.J. Dupree. Uh, I like him a lot. I like him a lot. And not just as a player, but uh, we all want to run run the damn ball, right? I mean, that's that, that's the mantra. That's what every Alabama fan wants. That's what Seth McLaughlin, McLaughlin's hat says. Uh, that That's what, what the plan is for Alabama. And, and I think signing C.J. Dupree out of the portal very early in January – uh, was basically an announcement by Alabama that they're going to run the football this year. C.J. Dupree is a, a block, he's, he's a decent receiver, but he's a block first guy, 6'5", 250, the typical tight end you line up next to the tackle, and you run the ball behind him. And I think Dupree's going to play the most snaps of all the tight ends. I have him as the highest-ranked tight end. I think I have him right here at 27, 27th-ranked player. And, and, and I don't have him hired simply because I think Alabama's going to play multiple tight ends. You'll see Dupree. You'll see Danny Lewis. You'll see Amari Nyblack. You'll even see Robbie Oost. I, I think all four will play with the first team. But Dupree will be the guy that plays the most. And I think bringing in a block first tight end to replace Cam Latu, I, I think it's just yet another announcement by Nick Saban that the plan this fall is to run the ball. And, and I think Dupree's going to be solid. Do I think he's going to be great? Do I think he's going to be a star? No, I think he's going to be solid. But I think he's going to be mostly solid as a run blocker and just an occasional pass catcher. Uh, but he, he's talented enough to do both. Uh, I, I, I anticipate solid play from Alabama's tight end position this year, uh, mostly due to a uh, uh, arrival of C.J. Dupree. And I think this is a mute and not a uh, – I think this is a God. mute. And it's, well, it's sometimes a technical problem. Sometimes it's a Luke problem. <laughs> That is so terrible. I mean, I'm not on my game. Y'all, seriously, y'all cut me some slack. I left for Pittsburgh from Birmingham yesterday at 4.30 in the morning. I I drove all the way to an hour from Pittsburgh. By the way, I stopped and picked up my son very just haphazardly because uh, I didn't know I was going to be doing this. He was like, you're going right through Columbus. Can I go to Pittsburgh with you? I'm like, 
nobody's ever said, can I go to Pittsburgh with you to anybody? But I said, yeah, get in the truck. So we got in the truck, delivered the fountain, and then I dropped him back off. And now I'm in Elizabethtown. So I've been in the truck like 20 some odd hours out of 30 some odd hours. So y'all cut yeah. me some slack. But um, I got to remember what I was going to say. Uh, oh, I was listening to Ryan Fowler um, from Tuscaloosa. who He was on uh, College Sports Sunday yesterday with Barrett Salee and, and one other dude. And um, he mentioned the fact that Alabama could play some three tight end sets this year, which would be interesting. Yeah. Um, and, and by three tight end, I mean, he wasn't saying like three tight ends on the line. He was saying maybe you have Dupree in the slot or Nablock in the slot and Dupree – and uh, maybe Danny Lewis on the line too, and yes. and that's kind of interesting. I that's that's not bad. I mean, I think some fans would be super super down with that. It's a it's a uh, it's a good thing and a bad thing. But if I can sum up what's great about Alabama's offense this fall, and what's also a little scary uh, in the negative sense, is I anticipate where we are right now, Luke. Is I, I think four. I think right now we're not sure of the three quarterbacks. Who's who's going to play of the three quarterbacks? Four running backs are going to play. In what order and what role? As many as seven wide receivers could be in the first team rotation. That sounds like a lot. And four tight ends are going to play with the first team. How is that going to be juggled? How is chemistry going to be built? How is an offense going to be built? Three quarterbacks, four running backs, seven receivers, four tight ends. Um, and Bear Bryant, you know, one of my favorite sayings of his all the time when I asked one time, you know, hey, uh, looks like you're playing for this year to play three quarterbacks. Is that an advantage to the team? And Coach Bryant said, well, when you have three, that means you don't have one. And I, I use that all the time, and, and it's a little harsh, but I, I think everybody gets what I mean when I say, hey, we've got four running backs. Um, that means you don't have one, right? And, 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 you know, quarterback the same way. So we'll see how Alabama juggles it all. Hey, here's the good news is, all of these are good players, even the quarterbacks. All of them are good players. It's not like we're choosing between this Conference USA guy and this Sunbelt guy. They're all good players. But you can't play three quarterbacks, four running backs, seven receivers, and four tight ends. I was trying to, like, play around with something here, and it didn't work out. But uh, I kind of want to call you Chris Doring right now. After all that, I kind of think we are average. <laughs> um, let me, let me also say this. I know um, a picture is worth a thousand words. This picture of C.J. Dupree is like both it, – it, it gives me all the warm and fuzzies that he's super athletic. I also feel like maybe he needlessly jumps sometimes. What do you think? Uh, this, this, I'm either really wrong. This will either be the most impressive thing I've ever said uh, while while we've been looking at, at photos on here, or, or the worst. But who are they playing? Is that Towson? I think it is. If I'm right, maybe he was that? just showing off. Like I can run with huge strides against Towson. <laughs> uh, all right. Let's like, here's my audition tape for Black Swan. <laughs> All right, that's going to do it for today's podcast. We'll be back tomorrow with more from SEC Media Days and more Countdown. And until then, thank you for dealing with all our technical issues and roll tight, everybody. Roll tight.